Greetings in Jesus' name. Good to see each of you here. I, I bring you greetings, as I said, in our Savior's name, the one who gives us purpose, the one who gives us life, purpose and meaning, why we are here on this earth, and then also the future. Because without him, where is our hope? I consider it a, a blessing and a privilege to be here, especially in coming visiting Brother Marv and seeing his journey that he's on. Uh, yeah, as far as patience, well, I, I think you all know where, where he is with sitting around. And uh, But I, I, can re, I can relate a little bit. A year ago, I, I too had a little time I needed to, to sit around, but uh, God is good. And somehow God does teach us things and wants to show us things in life. But we do serve an awesome God, and I, I am privileged to be here to see Marv be able to come to church this morning. Tremendous gift. God is good. I enjoyed the singing here this morning. There is something about singing that uh, we all do together. You know, I stand here and preach. I'm the one speaking, but when we're singing... We're all saying the same thing together, and it, it's a tremendous blessing to be able to sing. Appreciated that, and I, I am always blessed even coming, or the way God moves in a church service. These songs had so much to do with what I'm talking about today. Uh, tremendous blessing. So that was, that, that's neat to see how God moves in a service. Revelation 3.21 says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and am set down with my Father in the throne. You know, the scripture gives us a lot of words in how it describes believers. We're called saints. We're called the chosen. We're called followers. We are called disciples, joint heirs, heirs and joint heirs. Uh, we're called members of the body of Christ. We're called temples of God. And, and so you could go on and on in, in how the scripture describes us as believers. But today I, I want to specifically think of us as being overcomers. And if you want to give the, the message a title, it is born to overcome. And I read that verse there from Revelation 3.21. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Those are words from Jesus there in Revelation. And so we, we have the ability and the power to be overcomers. Through Christ. It's not something we attain on our own. And can you imagine sitting with Jesus around his throne? A picture that it gives us there in Revelation. Beautiful picture. Thinking of overcomers, and the Greek word for overcome is nakao. And this means to conquer and to win. It means to defeat, to gain victory. And interestingly enough, the word Nike comes from this Greek word nakao. I think we are probably all familiar with what Nike is. And remember, it means to conquer, to win, to defeat, and to gain victory. And the Greeks love this word Nike or Nikau as they used it. And they actually had a goddess 
that was named Nikal, or Nike, we would say. And this was the goddess of victory. It was a goddess of triumph and a, uh, a goddess that symbolized strength and speed and triumph. And the Greeks actually believed that, that the victory, that any kind of victory that was attained was only through this goddess. You know, man, man the, yes, man has, can attempt to conquer things or to overcome things, but will again and again be defeated or fail. And so they actually thought that the only way to, to attain victory was through this goddess, Nikal, that they had. And so thinking of that kind of background in the ancient times, uh, to me it's rather stunning that we are assigned in scriptures this thing of being overcomers. The kind of overcoming that really belonged to the gods in, in their time, in their culture. But as, as Dathan had mentioned about John, I, I love the book of John. John is so simple in the way that he says things and the way that makes it so practical. Uh, looking here at 1 John for our text this morning, I'm going to look at these few verses, 1 John 5. But he, he just says it how it is. John being a friend of Jesus. Think about that. We read the scripture from a man, a man that Jesus loved, a man that knew Jesus and walked with him through his journey here in his life. And so he, got, he knew the ins and outs. We know John as being the beloved disciple, the one that was often closest to Jesus. But I find it so inspiring that we have words, inspiration by the Holy Spirit written from someone who was with Jesus. So thinking of this word, Nike, we even like this word in our English language today. In fact, the U.S. military forces for a number of years in the, the Cold War, they had missiles that were called the Nike missiles. And think about what Nike means. And so that kind of makes sense, why you would have Nike missiles. And then, of course, we have the Nike brand, shoes, whatever it is, the Nike brand that uh, we are familiar with or is in, in our time that is so prominent. And, of course, you're, you're to have these things, and it has to do with triumph, victory, being uh, overcomers. That's the meaning of Nike. And this is where Nike originated from, from this Greek goddess, which symbolizes strength and speed and triumph. But as God's children, we are overcomers. We are able to experience victory in our Christian lives. So I want to look at, first of all, here, who are the overcomers? And this passage here that Dathan read from in 1 John 5 makes it so clear about who these people are. Who are the overcomers? Verse 1, first of all, you have the one that believes, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. He just lays it out, very simple. A person that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the kind of person that's going to be an overcomer. Then in verse 4, it says there, For whatsoever, or everyone that is born of God, overcometh the world. Overcomers are born of God. Our text is very clear on that. 
they are led by the overcomer of this world. And I think we would recognize we're, we're all born as sinners. We've, that's not a choice that we have. We are all born as sinners because of what Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve did in the garden there. And, if, and it has affected all mankind throughout all history. We receive that sinful nature. And with that sinful nature comes eternal damnation. And yet God, here in this text, it tells us very plainly that what we need to do to overcome that. We use this term, born again. And when you stop and think about that, born again, what does it mean to be born again? We understand the concept of being born. We've all experienced that. We have the account in John chapter 3 of Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. And we have there, we know the story of him asking Jesus about this thing of why he's here and who he actually is. And Jesus goes on to explain a little bit there. I'm not going to take the time to turn to John 3. But, uh, and really the reason that Nicodemus was coming to him was that he recognized that this was a person of authority and power. He was somewhat interested in his miracles and the miracles he was performing. And uh, they had this conversation. And Jesus responded to, to him by saying, he said there in John 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus wondered, how is that possible? How can a person be born the second time? Like, to him, it didn't make any sense. He said, how can a person enter his mother's womb the second time and be born? Well, to us, you know, we know that's kind of an observed question. But for Nicodemus, this, this was, he could not grasp what Jesus was trying to say. And Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Because being born again it is God coming within us. It's his spirit coming within us and regenerating us, making us a new person. This is a spiritual thing that happens. That's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. Being born of water and of the spirit. It's not something that we can do in and of ourselves, but this is a super, supernatural power that God gives us. And it is God's mercy and grace, God's amazing grace that we can experience that. In John 16, 33, Jesus there speaks of himself of being an overcomer. It says there, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's Jesus' words. Jesus being the chief overcomer. He's the one that overcame. And that is why we can be overcomers. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus within us gives us the ability to be overcomers. 
And I wonder at times if we mistake self-effort and willpower for God's power. Because when it's self-effort, that's something temporary. When it's God's power working within us, that is what gives us the power to overcome. Yes, we can go about things with trying to do things on our own and by ourselves, but that's only temporary. That's not going to last. And I believe it takes discipline at times to remove ourselves from things that are a temptation to us. At times, we, we simply need to remove ourselves from, from what we know may, may be a temp, temptation. But at the same time, we can't underestimate the power of God giving us the ability to overcome. And one of the aspects of our growth as Christians is, is the development of the ability to overcome sin. This is an ongoing thing in our lives. I, I would suppose that the oldest person here recognizes that. The power to overcome is a continuing thing. It's not a once and done thing, but it is a lifelong process. Turn with me back to uh, just a few chapters to 1 John chapter 2. I want to look at a few verses there in John, 1 John 2, 13 and 14. And when John wrote this letter, he addressed Christians uh, of different maturity. And so I'm going to read verses uh, 1 John 2, 13 and 14. And I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I was going to mention here before I read this that just notice the, the times that he meant, who he mentions it to about overcoming. Again, I'll start reading there in 13. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. And so he gives uh, admonition here to the fathers, to the young men and the little children, and and I know you, you could look at this different ways. Was he actually talking to the fathers? Was he actually talking to the young men and, and, the, and the little children? Or is he talking to different maturity levels? The, the fathers being someone that's been in the faith for a while, or the young men, someone that's, that uh, it says here, they're, they're overcomers because they're strong and they're abiding. That's who, who well, he is. He especially identifies the young men here twice. Someone that has developed some maturity, someone that has some experience, and then he gives us uh, the testimony of why they're overcomers. They have overcome the wicked one. And, and how did they do that? By being strong. And because God's word lives within them. It was just in the past few weeks I received a phone call. I get the uh, alerts from the camp from the Christian Aid Ministries billboard evangelism. Uh, maybe some of you are familiar, familiar with that, but uh, just a few in the past recent weeks, uh, the, one of those alerts was, uh, it was a, a prayer and a praise report of a young man that called in a few years ago. He called in and really his purpose of doing this was that he grew up in a godly home, left that and uh, became involved in atheism. 
and embraced that doctrine and was very strong. And so his purpose of calling in was to simply debate with them. That's really what he wanted to do, was to have a debate with the person whoever answers the call. But through his conversation and the, what, the way the person responded and took him through scripture, um, he, he left that phone call and this brought conviction to his heart, to his life. And over time, he again embraced God and uh, turned, turned toward God and, and, and turned away from that atheism. He calls back two years later and he, and he, called, and he simply to, to bless them and thank them for what they're doing. Amazing. An overcomer. This is a picture of an overcomer. You know, sometimes people have asked, why, why would a good God allow us to live in a world so full of sin? Why would a good God allow hard things and difficult things to, to happen? And especially, why would he allow us to be uh, tempted and sin? Some people really struggle with that. And probably not only believers or unbelievers, but believers as well. We, we ask, we wonder that at times. Why would God allow that? God does not do that so that we live a life of defeat. But his plan is for you and I to experience victory through the Lord Jesus. And each time we are tempted, each time you're, you're, you're tempted, you really do face the possibility of depressing defeat or experiencing victory. And ultimately, you, you and I determine with each temptation that we're, we're faced with, we determine which side we're going to be, which side wins, whether we're going to be defeated or whether we are going to be overcomers. And I believe that God allows, allows this so, so that we can experience the, the overcoming power of God. Because if we don't need God, if we don't go to him and looking for victory, why would we need God? So temptation is not just an opportunity to fail. It is an opportunity to overcome. I'm going to look at two verses in, in Romans chapter 8. Some familiar verses. Romans 8, 37 to, 30, or yes, 37 to 39 says this. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. If you notice there in verse 37, the term that, that uh, the writer here of Romans says, Paul uses an interesting form of the Greek word nikau. Because when you think about it, it says here, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. How can we be more than a conqueror? Why didn't he just say we are conquerors? But he says more than conquerors. How, how can you be more than that? So if you win, if you win or you're victorious in a game, you, you won. He says, but you more than won. So that's what Paul is saying here. He, he more, if the word conqueror actually comes from the same Greek word as overcome. 
and conquers. And so he, he simply takes a simple word for overcome, overcomer, nikau, and he added a prefix there. The Greek word there is hupir. And I, I'm probably not pronouncing, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I may be butchering up these words and how to pronounce them. But just to get a point across here of being more than conquerors, he uses this prefix here in, in front of conquer, and he says hupau. And that comes from, or actually our, our word hyper comes from this Greek word. Hyper. So if you put a little things together there, break it down into our English, hyper-overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We are hyper-overcomers. Because, well, when you are an overcomer, depending what game you're playing, you get kind of excited about being the overcomer, the winner, right? And as believers, we do have something to get excited about. We are hyper-overcomers. Is that something that you get excited about? Hyper-overcomers. So I want us to think about what, what does it take to be an overcomer? What does it take to experience the victory? An overcomer acknowledges the problem. The word overcomer imply, implies that something, there's something stands in the way, there's an obstacle. There's something that needs to be confronted or taken care of. And so we have, we have problems that we need to overcome. And an overcomer is not just someone who breezes through life and uh, is gaining victory. It, it's the same way with any sport that you play. If you want to get good at it, it is something you do over and over again. You don't just get good at it in one, one time or a few times, but it's something you do over and over again. And so is God's people. As believers, we are overcoming again and again and again. It's over again and again. Because we will face problems and temptations that we are confronted with. And we have a problem to overcome. Three times there in 1 John in our text, it mentions, it refers to overcoming the world. So when you think of problems, or what is our problem, I think we all recognize that the world is one of our problems. John emphasizes that fact of us overcoming the world, and we need to overcome it. Again, turning back to John chapter 2, there in verses 15 to 17, he describes what the world is. This is very familiar to us, but it says, there in John 2, 15 to 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It gives us the description of the world there. Satan and his plans and the world, it's sin and it's pleasure. And we recognize that in this world there's suffering and there's pain. And our flesh is drawn to some of the, the worldly things. And, and the world is simply something that stands in opposition to God. And we 
recognize that the world is, is there or there's, we have an enemy that is out there to, to kill and to destroy and to take our attention away from him, to destroy. He wants to destroy our Christian witness and even try to confuse our value system, the things that we believe, the things that we value and, and feel are important even as our own heritage. We have an enemy who wants to draw us away from that. When I think of an overcomer in the scripture, I, my mind is often drawn to David. David is a man, as, a, as the word says, a man after God's own heart. And I love David's example that he gives us over and over again of how, what it looks like to be an overcomer. We know that David was a man who failed miserably a number of times. But if you look at the pattern of his life, and even though he failed, but where he was a man that was willing to repent of what he did and to turn back to God, it was a lifestyle for him. He faced many temptations and some difficult obstacles in life. But he, he recognized his problem. When he was told about it or when he was confronted about it, he, he addressed his problem and made the necessary changes that God wanted him to do. Another thing is that an overcomer affirms the promise. And John here, he, he repeated it for emphasis, that the Christian overcome the world. That is one of the promises here, that we can be overcomers. We don't have to be defeated by the evil one. We don't have to be disgraced by sin, but we can overcome. That is the promise of God's word. And sometimes we need to focus on that promise. I know for myself, I need, that's where my focus needs to be. Because if I focus on the, myself and the, my problems around me, we get so involved in that and we really forget who is the one that gives us the power to overcome. David at times was so overwhelmed by the guilt of his sin, but God still forgave him. Daniel was in the lion's den, but God preserved him. God kept his promise. Jesus was in the tomb. To some, that looked like defeat, but God raised him up. And so as you look at those scenarios, and even in your, in your own life, God is, there's no problem, has been so great that God in his power has not overcome it. And that is the promise that comes to each of us daily, if we, we can claim that promise. Because something that he, what, what he has done in the past he, he can do that today again. So through God's power, we can be overcomers. Another thing I'd notice, I want us to notice here in verse 4, 1 John 5, verse 4, that here John mentions a key thing about overcoming. Verse 4 says this, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Even our faith. 
He says it so plain and simple. Our faith has a lot to do with our overcoming. You know, a lot of our life is lived on faith when you really think about it. Every person has faith in something. And, and this, this happens daily without even us thinking. You, you can open a can of food, something that you bought somewhere, and in faith you think it's well enough to eat. And we don't really think about that. It's just we kind of take it for granted that it's good enough to eat. Nobody really told you that, but you, you eat that in faith. One person's perspective of going to a doctor was this way, and I'll simply quote it as this person said it. We go to a doctor whose name we cannot pronounce. He gives us a prescription we cannot read. We take it to a pharmacist we do not know. He gives us medicine that we do not understand. But we all do that in faith. And I'm not saying it's not a good thing to go to a doctor and get a prescription, but this is life for us. We do so many things in faith and barely recognizing what we're even doing. But John is not talking about that kind of faith. This, this is not just a general kind of faith. But he, he describes this in verse 5. He who overcomes the world is he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is a faith that this is a faith in Jesus that calls us, causes us to believe in him, to walk with him and to talk with him, to abide in him. That faith, that kind of faith is what is key to us overcoming the world. And this faith is, is made available to us by the presence of God. It's a working faith. A working faith. Scripture gives us the story of Abraham, a man of faith, a man of great faith. I'm going to look at James chapter 2, a few verses here in describing Abraham's faith. And I like the description here in these few verses, James chapter 2, verses 21 to 23. I like the description it gives about Abraham in the one part there it says that he was he was called the friend of God quite a description and testimony of a person he was called the friend of God I'm going to read these verses 21 to 23 was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Beautiful picture of Abraham's faith. <coughs> scripture tells us that he believed, and it was imputed unto him, or it was given to him for righteous. God, because of his faith, because of his belief, God made him righteous. He called him, he credited righteousness to him. We know that Abraham was a man who walked very closely with God and believed in God. And I, I find Abraham's story fascinating. If you, if you actually, and the scripture does tell us that, that his ancestors were idol worshipers. I can often get the perception that Adam, or that Abraham probably had a lot of teaching about God, but he 
probably had zero next to zero or next to none on as far as who God is and being taught to live a godly life. But scripture gives us the, the here it says that, that he was called the friend of God, a person who walked with God in faith. God told him to leave his hometown and didn't even tell him where to go. And Abraham walked by faith. He walked by faith and not by sight. Hard for us to do. I would much rather walk by sight. That's my flesh. But as believers, we walk by faith. Hebrews 11 says this about Abraham. Hebrews 11, 9 and 10. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's where Abraham had his focus, not on the here and now. He, he moved around all the time. He didn't have a permanent place because he was looking for a better place. There's a story about a young man who, who kept his faith during some severe pressures in his very young years. This was uh, J.H. Crowell. He, he went to work on a ship at the age of 16, and he was the only Christian among the crew of 12. And before leaving home, he promised his mother that he would continue reading the word and have prayer. He would do that every day, three times, and he would pray three times a day. And when the other sailors there discovered his lifestyle, this, they kind of made a, a they, they mocked him, and they actually would pour buckets of water on him at times. But they, they just couldn't seem to put out that fire, that love and zeal that he had in his soul. And as time passed, that intensity just kind of grew. They got worse and worse in the way that they tortured him. And one day they actually tied him to the mass and, and they beat him. But still he prayed. And they, they finally tied him to a rope and they cast him out into the sea. And, when, uh, and there he, he was certain that he was going to die out there. And so he pleaded with them. He said, tell my mother, tell her that I was faithful until I died. And when they thought that he was dead, they finally pulled him in. And as he was, and to their surprise, he regained consciousness again. Two of these men were convicted and saved. Later on, the captain and several others were also converted. The power of faithfulness, the power of an overcomer, the testimony. We can be overcomers through the blood of Christ. Revelation 12, 11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. And here, if, this verse actually gives us two aspects of, of overcoming power. First of all, it points to Christ himself. And then the second is that it points to the life of the, of the overcomer. The blood of the Lamb has the power to overcome sin. When Jesus died on the cross and he shed that blood, that gave us the power to overcome Satan and sin. 
they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and their testimony. So our testimony is the faithfulness. That is where is key for the overcomer. If we want to be overcomers, we need to be faithful unto death. Here in just the next few minutes, I'm going to briefly just look at the future of the overcomer. I'm not going to spend much time on this, but simply to whet our appetite of the future of the overcomer. We not only can be overcomers, yes, we can be overcomers now. And that's where the, it starts, the here and now. But the future of the overcomer is amazing when you look at Scripture and what it says about that. The, and the book of Revelation has more to say on this than any other book in the Bible. So turn with me to Revelation 2 and 3. These are the letters written to the seven churches in Asia. I'm not going to read these, this chapter, but uh, picking out a verse from each one. John here again being the writer, John the Revelator, same as uh, the book of 1 John. And uh, we have Jesus giving Jesus' words here of the picture of the seven churches. John is writing these letters to the seven churches. And to each one of them, he gives a promise and a reward to the overcomer. We don't know, we don't have many details in Scripture of what's going to be there for us. Yes, we, we can read here in Revelation, but when you think about eternity and what we know about it, very little. But it is, uh, I, I, it, I find it comforting to, to see what he says to each one. So I'm just going to briefly look at that, these seven different ones. I'll point, the, point these out. Revelation 2.7 is the first one. Here it's about the overcomers or promise that they will eat from the tree of life. Verse 7 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of of the paradise. The next one is in verse 11. On harm by the second death. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Verse 17. We eat from the hidden manna and be given a new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Verse 26. We have authority over all. The overcomer has authority over the nations. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Some of these concepts are beyond our comprehension. The next one is chapter 3, verse 5. Be clothed in white garments. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Verse 12. We're going to be made a permanent pillar in the house of God. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. And then verse 21, 
the familiar verse, this verse is often quoted to be about being sitting with Jesus on his throne. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Beautiful picture for the overcomer. Chapter 21 gives us a small degree, uh, Revelation 21 gives us a small glimpse of the eternal reward that we have. Verse 7 and 21 says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. We will inherit all things. You know, we know what it's like to inherit some things here in this earth. But in heaven, all things, this is for all overcomers. What a beautiful time and place that will be when we can sit together and worship the one, the chief overcomer, an overcomer is someone that is faithful to the end, is one that inherits all things. And the rewards and blessings are really, they're out of this world, more than we can ever fathom or comprehend. This is for the overcomer. Let's be overcomers. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. We've all been born sinners. But I trust if you're aware of your need, that you are born again. Because it's a person that is born again is one who overcomes. We can be victorious. God bless you, and together let's strive to be overcomers. Kneel with me for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've made so much available for us Thank you that we can be part of your kingdom, part of your creation here in this earth. God, you've given us this time span to live in. May we live each moment for you and be empowered by your spirit. I do thank you for your saving grace, for what you've provided for us in giving your only son and how through that we can have, we can be born again. We can be regenerated and renewed and having your spirit dwell within us, in our midst. God, I thank you for this privilege. Thank you for the heritage that we have and what we've been given. We have so many opportunities. May we use them to further your kingdom. Give us a burden for the lost around us. And together that we could strive to be overcomers. I pray your blessing on this congregation. God, you know each need, each heart, and the motives of each heart. May they strive together to, to honor you, to honor each other, and to be faithful to the end. And that together, as believers, we can sit around your throne. God, we don't know what this all looks like, but may we keep our focus and our eyes on you. Even the difficult things, the circumstances that we face, may we keep our focus on you. Thank you for loving us and for your grace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.